uh, might hear or people make at the hospital. You know, we're a relatively young church, so we don't have a lot of sickness. We have a lot of babies around here over the years, and we do have sickness from time to time. But some weeks we go, and we don't even go to the hospital, and that is awesome. And then other times it runs in threes and fives, but here's some comments you hope you don't hear. Number one, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Then please wait around for the answer. Boy, was that helpful. Okay. Number two, they'll get better. Why didn't you call and tell me what you needed? Because I couldn't get my head off the pillow. I always like that one. Uh, three, this must be God's will for your life. Did he tell you that? Uh, and, you know, people make that comment. They're really trying to be helpful, and you're dying. You're like, well, I'm, I hope God didn't tell you that. Fourth, I know what you must be going through. Oh, you've lost your hair too, huh? Okay. Some of these are funny. Okay. Five, remember time heals all wounds. I hope that isn't why time has no end. It can go on forever and ever when you're in there. Six, so what are your chances? Better than yours. That's for encourager of the year that comes to see you. God forbid that person shows up. Things could be worse. Please don't elaborate. Oh, that's really helpful. Look on the bright side. I would if I knew there was one. Nine, you have the same thing as my aunt, but she died. Thanks so much for sharing that. That is probably the most common when I go, when people will begin to share. I've literally been sitting in the hospitals and people begin to share how grotesque their situation is. And you can see panic and fear all over the hospital bed. And every once in a while they'll go, please tell them not to come back. Number 10, it's so wonderful that you can see Jesus before the rest of us. And the person responded, don't be so sure. You might be next. Okay, so, you know, when you're sick and they tell you, relax, rest. I mean, you go to the hospital to rest, right? Not. I mean, what is restful about people drawing blood from your veins every hour, doing stuff to your body, to your pillows or whatever? I mean, it's just nothing really encouraging about that. So when I go to the hospital and people have been there for an extended time, they usually look fatigued, exhausted because they are. They're sick. They're ready to go home. They they won't rest. So as we're looking at this today, I'm going to... Take a little jump here to a gospel. I want you to open your Bible to the fifth chapter of John. My favorite gospel, as you know, is the book of John. I just love to read it, study it, reflect, purpose to practice it, and teach it. But I want you to hear this from the Word of God. Matter of fact, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, open it there. If you don't, just stand in honor of the King this morning. Can we stand for the reading of God's Holy Word? Chapter 5 in the book of John, starting with verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he he had been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. But do you want to be well? I have no one to help me, Jesus. They all run and they have ignored me for 38 years. And then Jesus tells him to pick up his mat and walk because Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever has the same resurrection, healing, authoritative power the church said. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We'll come back to this text again in John chapter 5, so you might want to mark it. Well, today I want to talk about breathe deep. Matter of fact, it's really fitting One of my friends just came in a minute ago. She works over at the doctor's office that I go to now. I changed doctors here a few months ago. And, you know, you go to the doctor, and I don't know about you, you get a little nervous because of procedures and things they need to do. But the doctor always has this one thing. He goes, hey, I want you to breathe deep. 
And inhale. Exhale. You know, you're like that. He's wanting to see if there's some, something in your lungs. I want to know if there's a heart murmur. I just want to know, dude, that is not very comfortable. But breathing deep. Many times as a pastor and as a son and as a friend and as a family member, I've stood by many a hospital bed. And I've watched many people draw their last breath or near their last breath. Usually their breathing gets extremely labored and hard. It's very... Just very, very shallow. It's very painful for parents and for friends and kids and for loved ones to watch your loved ones go through this. When it gets advanced, they usually have oxygen bottles and just oxygen flowing, doing everything they can to comfort them. But to breathe deep. This series is somehow about inhaling the breath, the grace of God, and exhaling your sin. And those things that keep you off the path of righteousness. So we want to walk through breathing deep. Breathe deep. God, how can I do that? How can I not stumble and fall and be held up? There's a passage from the 57th chapter of Isaiah. It's going to be kind of the central text for this series. It's verses 18 and 19. Just write down Isaiah 57, 18 and 19. And listen to the New Living Translation. I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. And I will lead them and I will comfort those who mourn, bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. Here is the good news of Scripture this morning. We have a healer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he comes near, and he comforts those who are broken and those who mourn. That's good news if you're walking through death or separation or pain or physical ailment or emotional or financial or spiritual separation or whatever it is. The good news is God is a God that comforts. God is a God that heals. God is the God who comes near in the person of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. Some of you this morning are into image management. You'll fake it. You won't really deal with what the issues of your heart are and You'll try to pull it over on God like you could. Because I'll assure you there's nothing that we do that our God doesn't know. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in the image of our creator. He knows our frame. He knows what brings us down. He knows what lifts us up. But for some reason we'll try to say, I need change, but I fear change. And in the fear and change, you, you fear change more than you do the fear or the control of your addiction. That's crazy. That's ludicrous if you ask me. Somehow you ought to try to break loose and say, I don't want to wear that habit any longer. I want to break free. There are a lot of women, about 40 women in our church right now that are going through the new Beth Moore study that's been updated, Breaking Free. Already this morning they were telling me about how powerful that was. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about today, Breaking Free. Not walking in those old patterns. As people were baptized, they walk in the newness of their Savior. But us that have been Christ followers for a time, we get worn, we get controlled, we get held down. We get hindered by the things of the flesh and the, and the sin nature that so easily operates in us. But Jesus asked the question, do you, do you want to be well? Another question was, do you want to be whole? 
See, some people have determined they don't want to be well. They just want to stay in their sick condition, their paralytic condition. This invalid, he'd been there for 38 years. That's almost four decades. Older than so many of you are going, man, that is a long time to be in that condition. But he wants to break free. See, to break free, you have to admit you have a problem. You, you have a need. And you begin to breathe deep in the spirit. You see, Christ died that we can break free from the things that hold us back. There is a privilege for the children of the king this morning. Do you believe that we have benefits as children of the king? And one of those is to walk in freedom. Hallelujah. You say, I thought freedom was a movie. That could be. Could it be the movie of your life? What do you want? You see, here's what I like. This church operates to be a community of fellow strugglers in Jesus Christ that don't have it all together. You're going, man, that is awesome. Because I've been looking around here and I've been thinking there's some sad people in this room. Well, don't feel too snug. They thought the same thing when they told me when they looked over and saw you here. But the truth is, we should struggle together. And when we see that one, Galatians says, as so fulfill the law of Christ, carry one another's burdens. If somebody's got a burden, we ought to shoulder it. And we ought to help them and not just cast them down and push them down. I I want to help you be more. I want to elevate you to the goodness of the Lord. If you want to grow a church, all you got to do is carry one another's burden so as to fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to grow a church, all you got to do is walk out agape love of the Father. And I believe that people will flock. But people here today are struggling with anxiety and worry and anger and bitterness and codependency and control issues and relational wounds and depression and unresolved guilt. And I could just name sin after sin that is just going to hold people back and they will just wear it like a shirt. Same shirt. It's kind of old. It's like, but it, it's, it's who I am. It's a part of me. It, it defines me. Well, it doesn't have to define you, but you're letting it. But the question today, I'm going to ask you again, do you want to get well? You're saying, no, I'm going to live in denial. I'm just going to deny the situation and hope it gets better and it never gets better. You get on the spin cycle of life. You know in your washing machine where you got the spin cycle and all it does is just spin and spin? Some of you are stuck there in life. You're like on that hamster cage. You're just going around that proverbial wheel over and over and over. And you never make any progress. And you don't tend to ever really go anywhere. You stay in the same sin-controlled patterns for year after year. And today I'm saying, God, break us free. At the end of this service, you're going to see how. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 17. Listen to this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not doing the one thing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Some of us have chosen to let the sin operating in our life define us. But it's not really who we are if we're in Christ. We're a new creation. It's like, have you ever had a splinter in your finger? And some of you, you in, you enjoy... Uh, uh, when you get, you don't enjoy the splinter, but you get a splinter and you pull your Bowie knife or your machete out of your back pocket and you want to immediately do surgery. And then some people in this room, you get a splinter. Oh, 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 and man, you just run around like this. When people walk near you within 10 feet, you just start doing that. And you wouldn't dare pull it out. So your finger, here's what it does. It festers and grows and turns purple. And then it's just hard to even touch anything. But you know, 
Don't let the splinter or that sin define you. Break free in Christ. I'll tell you about a weird obsession I have. I, I shared it in the last service. I want to share it with you again. I don't understand it. it. It tells you something about my psyche, my personality. I, I've been all over the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and plan to go to some more new countries over the next 10 years. I, I just love to preach and teach. And I can't tell you I like to build, but I go out there and I do whatever they tell me to do. But we go and do stuff all over the world. Well, you know, as you do that, I have this, uh, I have this inner desire I want to share with you all. I've longed for this for a long time. My ultimate mission trip is to go and train national pastors, which I've done that in several countries, and to go and preach the gospel and go and to serve on a team. I want to do that. But I've got this one thing I want to do. I want to have a medical mission team with a dentist on it, and I want to pull teeth. I don't know what it is, but I want to pull teeth. That's kind of sick. I don't know what it is. I just, I just like it. I just want to have all that power to reach in and just pull their teeth out. And say, bless you in Jesus' name. And you're saying, like yesterday, we were down in Troy, and I was uh, with uh, uh, my nephew, and he kept saying, Uncle Keith, Uncle Keith, and he's got, a, you know, he's snaggle teeth, and he's so proud. And I looked at him in such deep compassion for Jesus, and I said, Moo, you want Uncle Keith to pull out another one? I just, I just have this thing, isn't that weird? It's sick. I need to go to counseling for it. But I, I kind of wish I could do that to people that didn't tithe in our church. I could just hook you up to the chair and go, begin to tithe and give to the Lord it hurts or i'm going to pull your teeth but you know just 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 weird i don't know why i want to do that but i don't want you to stay at the same place i don't want to stay at the same place now you're not going to lay down on your pillow tonight and god's going to pull your teeth out that'd be hilarious if somebody called me tomorrow and said man all my teeth got pulled last night while i was asleep you would blame me and it's not me it's your wife it's your husband i don't know but let's look at this thing when you stay on the spin cycle of life you don't breathe not deep you just get fatigued. You, you just get exhausted. You just, you, you just have a hard time. But here's what we do. We, we have this thing we say, but I'll try harder. I promise to do better, Lord. But you continue to stay powerless, and you never tend to move the ball down the field. In John 5, back to the text, this invalid for 38 years, he had a problem. And he chose to live there, and he didn't have anybody to help him because he grew hopeless. He had no hope. And this morning, there are people in this room that you are like the invalid. You walk around, you go to work, you do things, but you don't have hope. And that hope is in Christ. Your problems, your infirmities, your situations have come against you and they've paralyzed you. And Jesus, this is what I love about Jesus. He asked him the question, do you want to get well? Did you notice Jesus Christ did not force himself on the invalid? He didn't. He asked him. Did you know this morning, because of free will, our holy, reigning, sovereign king never forces himself on you or me? He invites us into relationship. He knocks at the door of our heart softly. Sometimes he shouts and screams in our pain to get our attention, but he never forces himself. But the man said, I've been here for 38 years. I have no one to help me. And Jesus just says, do you want to get well? Well, then pick up your mat and walk. I want to give you a formula I want you to fill in. It's there in the middle of your page. You can maybe draw a square around it. Self-deception plus self-reliance equals self-destruction. Self-deception plus self-reliance equals self-destruction. Let me, let me break that down for you. 
When you deceive yourself or you get deceived by your flesh or what you think or by the enemy or you go, it's not my fault, I blame it on my parents, I blame it on my boss, whatever, you never take responsibility, you've been deceived. But then that leads on to then you go, but I'll rely on myself. I'll pull my own self up by my bootstraps. I'll trust in my abilities and my intellect and my gifts. But when you do that, it always does what? It always leads to destruction, to doom, to failure. And somehow I'm going, God, would you begin to break us out here? Because we're addicted to self. We're self-absorbed. The word that I remember learning 30-something years ago is narcissistic. Narcissism exists. You are so full of yourself. I have people on the weekends that will tell me this. Pastor, why didn't you talk about me? Why don't you just preach for me? Well, you know, I've got hundreds of people I speak to every weekend. I'm amazed how the Spirit of God speaks a variety of things to people. And I do prepare messages with you in mind and in heart. But I, I don't know exactly your need, but the Holy Spirit, like even today. Can I just give you all a testimony of what I just found today? This is the most awesome thing. On the last Sunday of the year, I have started, and I've done it a few times. It's been very powerful. I've chosen to take off that weekend, and I will show a Louis Giglio video. We had a young woman come to our church uh, this past winter, the last service of the year. And they said, oh, they were upset because Pastor Keith wasn't here. Adam wasn't here. He was sick. And, oh, man, he's uh, they're doing that. Well, the little girl was having challenges, but I want to tell you, God began to use Louis in that video, Fruitcake and Ice Cream. Do you know what the little girl's name was in the video? Do you remember? Her name was Ashley. Guess who the little girl was that came into this living room that day? Ashley. Do we serve an awesome God or what? He knew exactly what the situation was, and he's beginning to draw her to his heart. Not to rely on herself. Not for you and I to rely on herself. So if self, let me tell you, if self-help work, then Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. Because we could have helped ourselves. We could have forgiven ourselves, but we couldn't. We needed a savior. We needed rescuing. You know, but people say, oh, I'm special. My wife has taught me that term. I, I, I got to share with you. Sometimes I think I'm special and I shouldn't and that's just sin. But when I'm driving, I, I just want to see if we got any witnesses. I got to talk to you all about this. When we ride down the road and I ride down the road out here by East Chase and, and it's picked up so much over the last five years, two years, six months. It's just traffic's getting crazy. And sometimes almost back down to Halcyon South, the cars can back up. Well, Pastor Keith thinks I'm special. So I get in the lane and I'm running, running, running. Oh, drive, drive, drive. Cause I'm going on the interstate and I just cut in front of 600 cars, but I'm special. Are anybody else guilty of that? You cut in front of people when you get down there right there and you go, Hey, I'm an idiot. I need in. Hey, can I get in right now? You know what that's called? Sin, selfish, selfishness. Because you know, when I told everybody, I'm more important than all the rest of you in this lane. Ooh. I didn't think anybody liked that illustration either. I don't like it either, but it's the truth, isn't it? Because see, in our life, in our flesh, it's just easy to get filled with self and self-desires and self-wants and self-fulfillment. But it never, it never brings glory to Jesus Christ. You say, well, man, you, you're kind of serious about you know preaching this stuff. Well, let me tell you what I, I know. We have people in our church. All through the years, I've met AA people. We don't have an AA group here. If, if God begins to lead and they need one one day, I'm sure we'll accommodate that. But there are AA churches and clubhouses all across the river region, all across the nation, across the world. And uh, people come to grips with their fear and their alcoholism controlling them, and they begin to break free and they get help. I love what uh, 
my friend's here today. She operates in one of those ministries in another church called Celebrate Recovery. It came out of a Rick Warren Saddleback Church. And they take the 12 steps, but then they have the eight steps to recovery. And they begin to help people because people face their addiction. So I'm asking you, what is your addiction today? I mean, it could be dysfunctional families, anger, chemically addicted, codependent, food, sex addictions, on and on. I don't know what it is. But insanity was once said this. It's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting different results. You never get a different result if you don't change your pattern here. So fill in the blank. Blessed are the broken. Those that are broken are blessed. You know, and I was doing some study on AA this week because it has such spiritual roots. And you can actually take all 12 steps and you can trace them back to the Word of God. But listen to this. Here's the first step. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Let me just give you a couple of verses because I don't have time to read them all. 2 Corinthians 1 9. 2 Corinthians 12 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Oh, how I wish I could preach these, these words right now, but I've got to get you to an ending that I want you to encounter God. But blessed are the broken. In the Hebrew, the word is contrite. And the contrite word means crushed to a powder, reduced to a substance. God wants to crush you and me, our pride, our selfishness, our self-absorption. And let us become more like his son. Blessed are the broken. The Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, they that know they're poor. They that know they need help. They have a, a hunger for healing in their soul. Have you been there? Are you there? They admit bankruptcy. They admit that they're spiritually crippled. Step two in AA says they've come to believe that a power greater than themselves could somehow restore them to sanity. And I want to declare who that power is. That power is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he is the power to take us from our powerlessness to power, to change and conquer and transform our very life. And I want you to listen to the word of God. Proverbs 28, 26. A man is a fool to trust himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. Those that use and live and apply and trust in the precepts and commands of Holy Scripture, they're secure. In Psalm chapter 30, verse 2 and 3, write it down. O Lord, my God, I call to you for help. You healed me, O Lord. You brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. But, O Lord, when I cried to you, when I called out to you, you spared me. And Mark 9, 24 says, I do believe. Oh, but help me overcome my unbelief. This morning, I'm praying by the Spirit of God that some of you will be convinced and persuaded not to wear the same patterns of sin and stay where you are when you came in, but to walk out in the newness of Christ. We're broken. We lose our way. We need help. We need guidance. We need to be sensitive. We need to carry each other's burdens. But one of the greatest illustrations that I've heard, maybe we'll illustrate this best for you about how we need to come alongside and take risk. At every big event that you gather, ball games, concerts, pageants, whatever, a lot of times we've had prayers and a lot of those have been uh, eliminated in our society. God help us. We've invited God out. But there always tends to still be the same thing in America called the National Anthem. And they sing it. Yesterday in Troy, they opened the event with the whole uh, National Anthem and 
And the thing about it, in 2003, there was a uh, national anthem that was sung that was probably the most uh, stunning that I've ever seen. Now, I'm going to invite you right now, refrain from your PDAs and from your iPhones. Don't Google right now, pastor's preaching, okay? But I want you to write down this word, and I want you to Google it on your computer. Mo Meeks, NBA Portland Trailblazer coach. In 2003... They had a, an arena filled with 22,000 people. There was a young girl. Her name was um, Natalie Gilbert, and she had won the Toyota contest, and she was to sing the national anthem, and she had practiced and had been flawless and had done a beautiful job. Natalie Gilbert, on that particular day, 22,000 fans, that's 44,000 eyes if everybody had two eyes. If not, there were some people that had problems. And, but let's say 44,000 eyes coming back at you. She stood front and center to sing the national anthem. And I've asked, I've asked Adam and I've asked other people over the years, the national anthem is not always easy to sing. She got up and she began to sing, and when she did, she forgot the words. She was humiliated in front of all those people. And Coach Mo Meeks, Maurice is his name, a giant of a man, he walked over and he put his arm around her shoulder. And he began to sing. It was worse than me singing. It was horrible. But he was coaching that little girl. And she looked in his eyes. And she drew strength from him. And she began to sing. And she got back on. And then she almost broke up again. And he continued to sing. And she sang again. And she sang. And the whole arena broke out in singing the Star Spangled Banner. It was awesome. Because Mo Meeks did something that we need to do. He took a risk. He took a risk to help a little 13-year-old 8th grade girl not be humiliated and probably never stand up and sing again in her life. Is that not a great coach? Now, a few years later, he got fired. I didn't like that part when I went on to start studying about his life. But this man fleshed out fear. He believed. He took a risk. And God could and he would if he was sought. Because God can do anything. And God wants to do great things. But he has to be salt. Brokenness provides an opportunity for profound, profound beauty. Brokenness always tests our love. And brokenness will always open the door for compassion. Mo Meeks is one of my heroes because of that. Don't really know a lot about the man, but I know he helped a little girl. Give me the last point here. Brokenness, or next to the last, brokenness softens our hearts and makes us sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I pray for you and me that we would be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and that we would know our Father's voice and He would speak and we would listen and we would obey. In Isaiah 66, 2, says, He tells us that this is the one I esteem, the man that is humble, contrite, crushed to a powder, and esteems and trembles at the word of God Almighty. That is the person that God loves deeply. That is the person that God will use In James 4, 6, for a New Testament illustration, it says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said, God opposes the proud every time. But he gives grace to the humble. To those that are broken, to those that are reduced, to those that feel powerless, to those that will call on the Lord, he comes near. And the last one says, brokenness will produce repentance, and repentance always leads to worship. Brokenness will always produce Godly brokenness with my sin before the majesty of heaven, before God, 
will bring me to think differently, will bring me to a point of turning. It's called repentance is a biblical word. But repentance, biblical repentance, always leads to worship, exaltation, elevation, giving God glory and worth and honor and blessing. So here's what we've chosen to do today. We have a few minutes, and we're going to end this service very differently. In the next seven or eight minutes, I'm going to invite you to let you know these altars are open, and many of you need to flood them as soon as I open this up. And Adam's going to do a great song with the band, Breathe. And we're going to inhale the Holy Spirit, the breath of the living God. And I pray you'll exhale your sin and those things that strongholds and those addictions and those things that hold you back. But you'll just... Just breathe deep. This morning, this is a place of fellow Christ strugglers. And if you don't have faith in Christ, I pray you would call on the one that will save your soul. He is here. He is Jesus. So right now, you can kneel by your chair. You can come forward to this altar. And in a few minutes, I'll invite us to stand. But let God move in the next few minutes. Do not be in a hurry to leave. Meet with him. This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my daily bread This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I Desperate for you, and I, I'm lost without you. So lost without you. I'm lost without you This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your This is my daily bread.
Corinthians 1.9, indeed in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God forbid that you would walk out of a service like this full of the Holy Spirit, and you would presume on God and assume that you could fix it yourself. I hope and pray that you will consider yourself powerless, nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing, says John. But with the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can overcome. And we can be sentenced to life abundant. Man, this morning, I, I can't even explain to you what God's beginning to do in heavenly places and what I believe he's doing at this altar and in this room. And I pray you'd give him permission to continue that work this afternoon and this evening. To God be the glory. In the church, let's just put our hands together and praise God for his amazing presence and his power today. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, be exalted here. Amen.
I'm going to invite you to be seated. We have one minute, and I'm going to invite our student pastor to come forward. I've asked Jason. He's got some things he wants to share with you. We had a, a really big week. Oh, good. Amanda's in this one. Good. Man, you'll look better this service, brother. So uh, y'all come and uh, share with us what God's doing in y'all's lives. I'll sit down so y'all can see. All right. Uh, kind of shared, shared last service. There's really no easy way to do this, but uh, just kind of share with you guys kind of what God has laid on Amanda and I's heart. And uh, basically, God is calling us uh, to a new work. He is calling us to a local mission field. Um, so we have, um, we are be obedient to that call to go to work with Common Ground uh, Ministries on the west side of Montgomery. Um, so as of this past week, I uh, expressed the leadership that I'll be resigning as student minister um, of Christ Community Church. Um, however, we're going to extend our stay here till May 1st, uh, just to make sure that uh, we can have some healthy transition within the student ministry and hopefully find someone to replace. Um, I just want to thank the leadership for allowing us to do that. Um, so... That is kind of, if you want to know how that came, came about or, or what God is doing there, please come speak with us because it's just, it's one of those things that's just overwhelming where God is giving you peace and, and directing your steps in that direction. So uh, I've been challenging the students for the past few months uh, just to live out their faith, uh, to be radical in that. And now it comes a time where God has been hammering me about uh, it's time to live that out. I can't live as a hypocrite and tell these students to, to go where God leads them if I'm not willing to do it myself. Um, so I pray that they will see that. And I pray that they know that God will continue to provide for them and uh, unite this fellowship. And I just want to encourage you guys to continue uh, to exalt him because of his character and not your circumstances whatsoever. Um, So we just want to say thank you for allowing us to serve alongside of you for the past three years, to be involved in your lives. And I continue to tell the students we're moving in position, not in person. Uh, So if you guys need anything, uh, we will be there and we will continue to be there and continue to be invested in your life as long as you'll have us there. Um, so we just want to say thanks, and um, it's kind of, the, kind of the news there. Put your hands together. That's right. Hi, right, bro. Jason came. To, that's right. Jason came to know Christ through the ministry of our church. He came to his first full-time position. Y'all had Abigail here. Uh, he went to Iraq while he was here. Uh, I got to be at his uh, uh, graduation from the Trooper Academy. We got to lay hands on him here when he became our student minister. It'll be three years this June. Took him on his first trip to Mexico, and he still came back. It was amazing. We got lost and didn't get back till 4 in the morning. And, uh, but he has done it. Let me tell you. Somebody said it best the other day, Jason. If you looked at the video that was shown before, about a year or two ago, they took like one van. You could take everybody. They took five vehicles. They had about 34 folks that had gone off, and it continues to grow and build upon the foundation that they've been laying. So let's thank God for their foundation and what they're laying for here. Amen. And here's the great news. Jason and Amanda are not leaving in two weeks, okay? It's till May, so you can love on them and you can spend time with them. And, man, we just wanted you to know here this morning, so get that get Facebook to work in and tell everybody. Okay. Anything else? You're good? Hey, Lord God, thank you for this service of worship. Thank you for launching people. Thank you for obedience. And thank you for breaking strongholds. And, Lord, I pray that we would all breathe deep the breath of God until we meet again in Jesus' name. Amen.